people are dying. My name's Ashley Brandt, and joining me this holiday weekend is friend of the show, Matt Olson. Hello, it's me. It's Matt. I'm not going to do the Scott Disick thing at the start of this one, so you're welcome. I'm sure everyone will be disappointed. Um, we are going to be wasn't talking... that good? <laughs> was it? I mean, it's a classic throwback. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for having me on this Thanksgiving weekend. I'm thankful to be here. Yeah, I'm thankful you were in town. It's really hard to get people to do things this weekend. You texted me like a month ago being like, I need someone on Thanksgiving weekend. Are you leaving? And <laughs> no, of course not. I've, I've put down my roots in the Big Apple. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about Beauty Queen and Close to Home. Uh, season 14, episode 7 and episode 8, respectively. But first, we have some IRL news to cover, and the big ticket item is the firing of Stephanie Shepard. So, this is Kim's... I don't understand the assistant structure, but this is Kim's, like, best assistant. Like, favorite so, person Kim gets to do things for her. So, the story of Stephanie Shepard came out in, like, April when she did an interview with Refinery29 which is a series that Refinery29 is doing. It's a women's online publication. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but they do this series of interviews with people in Celebrity Inner Circles. It was really interesting. Steph talked about how she was like hired as Kim's assistant right before Kim gave birth to North, and then she just was okay. with Kim ever since. So whenever they had like really private footage on the show, Steph usually shot that. Um, she was like... A huge constant in Kim's life for like the three or four years after that and then as of that Refinery29 interview in April Steph revealed that she had been promoted to chief operating officer of Kim Kardashian West brands so it was kind of supposed to be like women do capitalism like look at her rising up the ranks yeah. which is something that always comes up with this family um but it's also like, you know, Steph is from Ohio, single parent background, very like bootstraps, aspirational, whatever. And she honestly seems like a cool person, which is something that we've talked about on this show. Um, but it was recently revealed <laughs> but. that Kim let her go in September. Um, TMZ people at all are reporting that it was amicable, that they're still friends, that... It was a business decision because Stephanie wasn't the right fit for the COO role. Mm -hmm. Seems very suspicious to me. Uh, Steph's been spending a lot of time in Ohio if you follow her on Instagram. Okay. So, not sure what's up next for her. Yeah, do you think... I mean, this is... Clearly, this is the kind of thing TMZ would report on, but I don't have real gauge for... What is, like, the... What is the Kardashian, like, uh, orbital escape velocity you need in order to, like, be on the show in some role as your step up uh, and then launch off into your own thing that won't just immediately fizzle out? Has this happened? Is no, there, absolutely, no, absolutely no one has not. done that. Okay, like, great. look at every ex-boyfriend ever. Like, Malika and Jonathan are still clinging on to relevancy by being on the show. Yep, The okay. show has never been a launch pad for anyone. And it's really strange that this is happening. I, IRL time, three weeks after they aired an episode that was like, 
oh, isn't it awkward that Cam's assistant is best friends with Courtney? Mm, mm. So, coincidental? Likely not. But very strange because judging by these two episodes that we're going to be talking about, Steph is going to continue to have a presence throughout this season, so we might even see the disintegration of that relationship in the show. If. Well. Um, in other news, Kim Kardashian's fragrances were released earlier two weeks ago. A uh, friend of the show, Kayla Chapin, actually purchased a fragrance, uh, the original version. Um, so she will be on the show to talk about it and describe it to all of us soon. Uh, Kim's fragrance line grossed $10 million in one day. Cool. That's a lot of money. Wow. Yes, it is. Um, we you know also... how excited I am about people just making a lot of money all Very... at once. <laughs> I think it's awesome and great. Capitalism is treating us all so well. Um, additionally, we were also treated to the accompanying press tour. We learned that the healing crystal look of the fragrance bottles was inspired by the aftermath of Paris when Kim turned to healing crystals. So, wait, hold on. Maybe we need to do a Google image search for this. Um, are they just shaped like quartz crystals, or...? Oh, I forgot you're a crystal person. I'm not, okay. You have a crystal. I have, actually, you can see a couple more right there up on okay, this mantle. Okay, so you piece. have more than I thought. But those are all gifts from people who then see my one crystal and assume I am, I by definition, a crystal person. A crystal person. <laughs> yes. It's, um, it's kind of one of those things where you have this... Yeah, okay, yeah, they do. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, fuck. I want to say that the image results are coming up with her old fragrance, which has a they, really tacky bottle. They, they definitely are, but I think it's the one on the left there, right? The one that's shaped exactly like a crystal. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And okay. then the influencer boxes, like the press boxes or whatever, had actual crystals in them. Of course they did. Yep, got yeah. it, got it, got so... it, got it. Anyway, what I, was, what I was saying earlier, you know, this is the right podcast to talk about brands on. Um, you incorporate one thing into your, like, your regular presentation, like the way you go out in the world, the way you make yourself look, and you don't think it's a big deal. And then everybody else looks at that one thing and they go like, oh, so this is what you're into now. And suddenly strangers on the train, which is fair because strangers are asking you like, hey, tell me what that crystal does. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but your friends, your friends are in New York City, so everyone assumes it's magic. Everyone assumes it's magic. Your friends aren't too far off though, because they're just like, so you want more, right? And if it's a gift that's like you know well considered and so forth, uh, then yeah, it's awesome. They're cool rocks, but it still has not progressed to the point where like I think they do anything. For instance, if I was launching my fragrance line, I don't think I would go with crystal shaped bottles because i'm like that's not but like, now me. is the time for that regardless of whether or not you genuinely is it because it. it feels like the window just passed like kim just got it on lock yeah yeah i'm saying like she's crystals are now over now that she's launched this fragrance <laughs> right, okay. but she's capitalizing on the momentum that honestly spencer pratt has been building up true yeah have we talked about how i got his crystal starter kit for free <laughs> no we have not <laughs> um yeah, he was just doing a giveaway on Snapchat first. Ten people to follow his crystal guy and message his crystal guy. Mm -hmm. Got a free starter kit. So I have, I have a free Spencer Pratt crystal starter kit. Now how, now, how have crystals in your life changed, you know, your situation? 
you know, I haven't taken them out of the box since I moved, but when I have... You're just corrupting all that energy oh, by keeping them locked away. I know, away. I am thinking about how I have to... You're going to open them up out. and they're all going to be like turned into obsidian. Stop. That's how it works. <laughs> I don't know much about crystals, but I do know you can't keep them in a box forever. But previously, when I needed a little um, placebo effect in my life, mm-hmm. um, I would put them in my pocket, you know, okay. uh, with a, an evil eye to protect myself from bad right. vibes. Got it, got it, got it. Um, but yeah. I was going to say, though, on the topic of personal brands, this is a little bit of a departure, but have I ever told you how I, like, kind of had a period of depersonalization because of my Kim Kardashian profile picture? Oh, uh, I think we've we've talked around it, yeah, about, you know, you just, the, the, the fact of you having Kim in the bed kind of yeah. changing the way you saw yourself, yeah. Yeah, because that's been my profile picture on every single thing for three four years at this point mm-hmm. i've i've not changed it i'm fairly I, certain there are people who listen to our twin peaks podcast who think you look like that i mean you know that doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. because sometimes i look in the mirror and i'm surprised <laughs> that i don't see that and i tweeted about it once and my own like housemate was like yeah sometimes the same thing happens to me and that was like greatly distressing <laughs> well you know there's always there's always the option to change it. I've had the same uh, Twitter avatar for four years. I can't get myself to change it, but, you know, I could if I wanted to. I'm just not going to because it's very funny. <laughs> it's very good. It is um, very good. But point being, personal brands can uh, can run away with you. They can overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Kim would let that happen to her. No. Uh, what else is new in Kim's, in Kim's world? Well, as part of this whirlwind press tour around Kim Kardashian fragrances. We also were treated to the accidental reveal of the surrogate baby's gender on Ellen. It had already been widely reported that they were going to have a girl uh, because North is the center of their lives and they wanted to give North a sister, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have a name yet in very um, West family fashion. I'm sure they'll come up with a great one because they always do. Mm Mm-hmm. They always leave it to the last minute. They tried to leave the hospital without giving Saint a name. <laughs> so, lots to look forward to there. Um, some really big news, actually. Kim enlisted Sean Holly, a celebrity lawyer extraordinaire who you might know from Lindsay Lohan DUI fame, um, to help Cyntoia Brown, who is a victim of sex trafficking. Ugh a victim of sex trafficking who killed her trafficker in self-defense and has spent the last 10 years in prison for it. She's actually sentenced to life with the possibility of parole, so she would not be eligible for release for another 40 years. She's 29 right now. Yikes. So. So, um, assume that I don't know, you know, because I know, but assume that I... I'm a listener who, and I mean, I'm sure most listeners do, but assume that I'm a listener who doesn't know. And I'm saying, I, me, Matt Olson, I definitely know. How did the Lindsay Lohan DUI thing get resolved? <laughs> okay. How good was, was Sean at his wow. job? Sean is a lady, first oh, of all. Oh, whoops, sorry. Sean uh, Holly. I apologize for that. No worries. Um, easy mistake to make. But Sean Holly, I mean, she did her damned best. She was Lindsay Lohan's attorney when Lindsay Lohan was really on that burn 
burnout decline. Mm -hmm. So right right after, I would say she peaked tabloid-wise, but way after she peaked career-wise. Yeah. So this was in the period where she stole a necklace from an expensive jewelry store and then got into a car accident and there was vodka in her car and she blamed it on her assistant. And then she was in the canyons. It's like that period of time where every couple of weeks she was um, breaking her probation, basically. Yeah. So Sean Holly tried her best. She showed up to court every like three weeks as you know, Lindsay was violating parole and trying to advocate for her. Mm -hmm. um, and then Lindsay didn't really have enough money to pay Sean anymore. And then Robert Shapiro of OJ Defense fame right. offered his services. And then it became apparent that he doesn't really have the expertise for that, <laughs> as was also the case during OJ. Mm -hmm. And Sean took pity on Lindsay and uh, took her back on as a client. Lindsay somehow ended off of probation at some point, but she was supposed to be on probation for like two-ish years, I think, after her first DUI. She ended up being on probation for more than five years because mm. she just kept breaking. Yeah. So, Sean is very capable. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Lohan is a hellish client, but I'm sure Centoya's case is honestly much more straightforward because she should not be in jail. Right she now. should not be in jail. Yeah. Well, best of luck to to Centoya uh, and to Sean. I hope the two of them. Uh, I hope particularly Centoya gets something out of this, and I think it's good that Kim actually like put put money down on this. Basically, like yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to be said about like. Is it doing much if you're a super rich celebrity who just wants to call attention to things? And, like, again, if Kim Kardashian calls attention to something, that has a way more of an impact than if I, like, tweet about something or, like, any of us do. So it's not, it's not like, oh, they're not doing, like, enough in every situation. But it is nice when in a certain situation, particularly one that, like, seems to genuinely resonate with the celebrity in question that they actually then go the extra mile and say like all right here's money down on this yeah so. exactly and i think especially with centoya brown like a lot of other celebrities have been tweeting about her so i think we saw kind of a saturation in awareness at least with their respective audiences so this is i'm definitely... sure there were some daily mail articles that kim read <laughs> i mean rihanna rihanna is the one who kind of kicked it all off okay uh she tweeted about it a few days ago and uh, you know, there aren't that many people who ever reach wider. So there's a documentary about this, right? Yes, it was released a few years ago, actually. Okay, and was Sean was Sean at all like attached to this case in any way beforehand, or no. it was just like all at once? Like Kim is paying. Kim this is lawyer. paying okay. Sean Holly um, cool. because Sean has some kind of connection to Johnny Cochran, who's obviously connected ah, through yes. Robert Senior. Yeah, so that's yeah. how Kim knows everyone. Got it. Okay, and again, apologies for misgendering Sean. No worries. Well, I can't apologize on Sean's behalf, but. Well, I just feel like I gotta get it on the record, you know? Yeah. You know, on the record, it was purely came out of my mouth because we were just talking about lawyer stuff. I'm a, I'm a dumbass. Powerful lady lawyer, Sean Hawley. Um, in non-cam news, Kendall was declared the highest paid model of 2017. This is like the first year in like more than 10 years that someone has broken Giselle Bündchen's how, how much of that is Pepsi money? <laughs> A lot of it, I'm sure. <laughs> she was also in the Victoria's Secret fashion show in, I want to, where was it, Shanghai earlier this week? Mm -hmm. It was in China. Gigi Hadid and Katy Perry were not allowed to travel to China. Gigi Hadid, honestly, for legitimate reasons. Katy Perry, not so much. Mm. Um, 
Are you interested in that ex explanation at all? Sure. So I'll tell you Katy Perry first because it's legitimate. Uh -huh. Well, it's ignorance, but it's legitimate ignorance, which is that Katy Perry once performed in Taiwan uh -huh. and she waved the Taiwanese flag and also used some imagery that's associated with the Taiwanese independence movement. Mm -hmm. Katy Perry, I doubt, was educated <laughs> on this issue at the time, but as a result, she's been banned from China. Um, <laughs> It's like, is Katy Perry woke? No. Also, Katy Perry can no longer perform in China. <laughs> exactly. Um, Gigi Hadid. Um, well, her sister Bella, who actually was at the fashion show, uh -huh. filmed Gigi at a dinner where Gigi picked up this little like Buddha-shaped cookie, held it up, and then pulled her eyes back. Yo! Ooh, yep, so she fully deserves that. <laughs> Okay. No sympathy there. <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing um, at the racism because I think the racism is funny. I'm laughing because the racism happened on camera as though it's just like, oh, another social terrible moment. Here's my sister doing a racism. <laughs> I think it was like instagram live or something but yeah <laughs> they were just like oh shit oh no 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 <laughs> i don't think anyone had that that foresight at the time uh, uh well fuck that <laughs> anyway uh is this the last thing in a, a news note here we've already talked about jonathan Cheban changing his name to food god i just think instead of referring to him as food god which apparently is going to be his new legal name we should refer to him as the personality formerly known as jonathan Cheban. Okay, I mean, there's a little bit of, like, there's a little bit, like, that's taking off on, like, the artist formerly known as Prince, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Prince is cool. And so where I take issue with this suggestion is that Jonathan Sheevan is not cool. <laughs> and I only watched one of the episodes this week, uh, but in the first ten minutes, he was there, and I texted you to be like, fucking, ugh, it's food god. Um, so... If, if anything, I feel like maybe we should just let let him live with this decision he's making and call him Food God, because eventually everyone will just go like, God, what a dumb fucking decision that was. I mean, that's fair. I just don't want to give him what he wants because he's so bad at branding himself like this. Well, I'm, I'm saying, like, he thinks it's what he wants now, but after, like, the 12th mm. interview where he has to correct someone and be like, it's Food God, and he has to explain it, and then for the rest of the interview, they call him Food God, and he goes like, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. He's gonna, he's gonna get there eventually. I feel like you're assuming that he's going to be interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> fair, alright, okay, fair enough. I take the point, uh, point taken. Yeah. I legitimately cannot remember a time that Jonathan Cheban has been interviewed. Yeah. He just appears at events with Ken. Well, I guess this won't get in the way of that. But you are lucky to have missed out on another Jonathan Cheban's in Cheban appearance. Wow, I just mixed all of that up. In Beauty Queen, which was the Kim Kardashian beauty infomercial dis disguised as an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Um, there are some things that we're going to talk about you've already been informed about but we are going to spend a bit more time on close to home um big ticket item i want to say that as of the filming of this episode gabbana was alive and well the dog yes always good to see gabbana around scott didn't know her age or her gender which i think goes to show how often gabbana's getting out there mm. 
But uh, yeah, she's still kicking at 12 years old. Chloe seems to care about her, even if no one else does. So, so is Gabbana living in Cleveland? There is talk of relocating Gabbana to Cleveland, but Gabbana is very old. Mm. Gabbana's 12, and Gabbana's yeah. a lab. That's very surprising. Yeah, okay. Although, I did meet over this last summer a husky that was 16 years old. Mm. That's an ancient dog. That dog yeah. was 106 in dog years. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Gabon might make it that far. We don't know. Um, we also had a Kanye sighting at Chloe's surprise party thrown for her by Tristan. We also were told secondhand that Kanye helped out with the Kim Kardashian beauty launch. So, we are assured that Kanye is well in some sense um i want to believe that he's just enjoying his life at a stay-at-home as a stay-at-home dad but sometimes i feel like the show goes out of its way to tell us that kanye is doing just fine yeah seems a little suspicious it does but meanwhile we have chloe looking for a second home in the city in which she lives so that tristan won't have to commute so far for his workouts Mm. great relatable news yeah uh, if you had to get a second home for a frivolous ass reason, like my workout commute is too long, what would it be? What would the the reason be, or what would the what do you think second a, home be? What do you think a frivolous reason for you to get a second home would be? Any reason to have a second home? I just don't. No, no, no. I'm saying like assume assume you get this second home, but. You, the rather than saying like I just wanted a second home or like I'm oh, richer okay, than God, okay, okay. the reason you were to give people was like it's right next to a sweet green or something. <laughs> like I don't know. I'm trying to think of what mine would be. I think okay. I have genuinely thought about what I would do if I had enough money to buy property mm-hmm. and buy property in multiple places. I would totally buy property in portland specifically to spend the summers in portland and no other time there okay i was thinking a summer home second home within the same city which is like the richer than god thing um, yeah but yeah no i, I mean obviously a summer home would be sick <laughs> obviously i mean if any of us had any money the ultimate new yorker thing would be to have a brooklyn house and a manhattan house right yeah yeah so when you're just like basically basically so when you get too trash in manhattan and you don't want to go all the way back or you spend, you know, your Monday through Thursday there, mm-hmm. and then you go to get away from the city in Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> to get away from the city, right. Got it, got it, got it. Um, Chloe does not end up getting the second rental home, so I hope Kristen enjoy. Oof, Tristan enjoyed his two-hour commutes to UCLA throughout the summer. Seems like a good guy. Yeah. But this is what you live with when you move to Los Angeles for four months or whatever yeah i mean um in our rehashing of courtney and scott drama courtney adopts a super positive attitude that is pretty off-brand for her because i think we all like courtney best when she um telling it like it is and not not caring but she adopts some tony robbins mantras and won't confront scott about the reason that she didn't want him at chloe's birthday party mm-hmm. seems like a step backwards it does. There's a really sad moment when Scott says, oh yeah, don't worry about me. I hung out with my sister all night and then I called my mom to hang out afterwards. Scott, remember, has literally no family members. Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, 
in my experience, Courtney seems like either bored or slightly pissed off. So the idea of like positive court just seems like very off-brand, very concerning. Yeah, very much like, is this put on for the sake of the show to have like a flimsy B or C plot? Or is it like this person's going through like an actual rough spot whereby they're like, no, it's okay. I'm happy, guys. It's totally fine. Tony Robbins told me so. Um, Wouldn't it be interesting if it was the later, but I think we all know that Courtney is down for whatever the producers need her to do because she does not care about anything except her children. Yeah. Uh, But before we move on to Close to Home, we do have to talk about a... Strange fumble of sorts in Beauty Queen, wherein Kim addresses the controversy surrounding some of the marketing photos that were used for the launch of her contour line, specifically the image of her using the dark contour kit, which she never needs to do because she's (laughs) not a dark skinned person, um, in which she was quote unquote tan and there was a lighting issue, whatever. Um, That all came together to give her the appearance of trying to look much darker in skin tone than she actually is, and naturally there was some outrage and some accusations um, that Kim was approximating blackface. Yep. Um, I've seen the photo now. The photo does not look like Kim normally. I think if I were, like, then again, I'm not super keyed into this and if i like saw the photo in an advertisement on the street i would probably like be like that's kim kardashian but not have a a second guess i was expecting something when i heard the accusations like way more blatant but to think that like oh yes we have specifically a contour kit for people of a darker complexion kim can you please model this kit for us it's just like bonkers exactly Add on top of that that they probably that there probably was some Photoshop manipulation. Someone probably did go like, you know, it would look great without like stopping and thinking like, no, bad, racist, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then they just like adjusted the contrast ever so slightly. Like it's it's bad, but uh, it, at the very least, it's being brought up. But you were saying you have some some issues with how Kim responded to this whole mess. She's like fifty percent of the way there. She, which you don't get credit for, by the way. That's 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 a failing grade. She's closer, closer than she would have been a few years ago, but she's not there yet. Um, She sits down with former greatest assistant of all time, Stephanie Shepard, to talk about the outrage. Um, If you follow Keeping Up with the Continuity Errors, you know that these scenes were filmed like three months apart, or like a month apart between the outrage and then filming this reaction. In any case. What Kim says is that she understands why it was the photo was taken that way. Mm-hmm. She takes steps to correct it. They release a photo where her complexion is not so dark. Um, she says you have to own up to it without explaining what it is and why blackface is bad and why people would think that this was blackface. Basically... Like, again, like, some small, there's some small goodwill earned for being, like, I'm going to devote time on this accusation on my TV show. 
Like, it's also something that they probably could have brushed past if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. That's not how this show, I think, typically works. Like, usually any news is news that needs to be covered on the show, right? But Unless I it's, think... like, like, downright noxious to the brand or, like, they're hiding a pregnancy, right? Am I on right? Yeah, I mean, there are things that Ballpark they can't here. hide from, but usually when it's something that is controversial, there will be a talking head, so it's just, like... I'm so sorry if anyone was offended. Yeah, I'm sorry you were upset. Yeah, Yeah. which is still ultimately what this comes down to. Like, it's the step of saying, like, you've got to own it. Exactly what you said. It's like, by omission, all you're saying is, I'm owning that you were upset by this thing I did, rather than... Exactly. I'm owning that I made a mistake. And here's what it was. There's this, like, inelegant segue into, like, social media culture is toxic, which is (laughs) irrelevant to... People being like, you did blackface. Yeah. Um... And the other thing she says is, everyone knows I would never do such a thing, try to hurt people, whatever it is. And the thing is, not everyone knows that because Kim and family are constantly aping things from black women. So that's where this accusation Mm -hmm. is really originating from. Yeah, it's just like another example on a long line of things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, maybe Kim should have gone the extra mile, uh, talked to Jimmy Fallon. Uh, or Robert Downey Jr., you know, uh, about about this whole thing. I'm sure there's others who, like, I'm sure there's countless others who are just not immediately Sarah coming Silverman. to Sarah Silverman. Sarah Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, she tried to, like... David Cross. Yep. Yep. Um, Ted Danson back in the day. Oh, no! Yeah, all three of those last examples, I believe, were trying to ironically do blackface keep or sorry it's always sunny in philadelphia tried to ironically do blackface mm-hmm. it doesn't fucking work ironic blackface by white people is not a thing yeah yeah they if you haven't, you haven't cracked that nut yet white comedians you haven't quite figured it out yet <laughs> and i don't think it's worth continuing to try <laughs> no you are not going to be the magical breakthrough in this series hey hey Traffic thunder just stick with putting tom cruise in a fat suit and a bald cap all right that would have been enough of a selling point okay yeah all right anyway um all in all though um you know a successful sale of the the kim kardashian beauty brand some missteps on kim's personal brand but they get all of the youtube gurus together everyone looks exactly the same because that's how youtube makeup culture is at this point and uh we segue right into another attempt by Kim Kardashian West to do some good in Close to Home. Mm-hmm. So this is the one I watched. Um, I will say that this is definitely the worst episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians I've ever seen. I was I was a little surprised to hear you say that. I know we're going to get into it because we did talk about mm-hmm. it. But in your memory, which is the best one you've seen so far? Um, hands down, uh, the camping one. The glamping one. Um, which was, I guess, a couple episodes of this podcast back. Same season as mm-hmm. this. Because, um, I mean, there's a, the parallel here. Or also good was the one where they pranked uh, Court by telling her they were at a different restaurant. And that was pretty good. <laughs> um, but, so, like, the, the, the Chris antics, right? Like, yes. most of the time I'm on board with them. This time, uh, Chris does a bad job of it but they treat it as though it's entertaining and it's just really not um the the whole scribe plot the scribe plot has one good joke and they hit it a couple times and it's the joke of the scribe in the chair 
kind of doing the the thing we've all done in a rolly chair, which is the two leg like <laughs> shuffle across the room. Very funny. Always worth a laugh once, but they this was so thin on actual other humor. Like every other part of it is painful because like it's it's Chloe or somebody being in the room with Chris being like, no, this sucks. Like also it's kind of hilarious because like your whole fucking lives are on videotape, yes. and they never really address that irony yes. of it. But this idea of like we're writing everything down mixed with the uncomfortable like. Is Chris saying she's senile? Is this all cooked up from nothing? And it's like, I don't know. It's so unfocused. I agree because there's not even a seed plot in this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's also, also it takes up about half the episode when it absolutely shouldn't. Um, yeah, I check. Sometimes when I'm not sure what the A plot, C plot, and whoa. When I'm not sure what the A plot, B plot, and C plot are, I check in on Keeping Up the Continuity Heroes, which I've already name-dropped once, but if you're not reading, that's a super great recap series. Um, and Mariah Smith herself confirmed there is no C plot in this episode. We're just evenly split between the scribe, which I think does in some ways harken back to the Chris-Chloe pranks of yore, but it's mm-hmm. not a very good rendition. No. Um, and the other half is Kim Kardashian West trying to explore a social issue much in the same way that she approached Planned Parenthood a few episodes back. Um, maybe, should, should we finish our thoughts on the scribe plot yes, first? Okay. I have some notes on the scribe plot, I guess. Hit me Talking about me. it out loud now, which is like, if you're going to spend half the episode on this and you've got the, the good joke already of the rolly chair... Which I'm sure they, like, thought of and were like, this is hilarious. Like, you gotta... Here's what they need to learn how to do. And I think... Here's one thing I think Chloe knows, which is, like, from the Chloe pranks I've seen, Chloe, or at least the producers that work with Chloe on these pranks, know what heightening is, heightening the bit. And this is a bit that was sorely in need of heightening because it goes straight from suggestion of a scribe to... Montevi is here, she's in the squeaky rolly chair, and it's that. And everyone's just like, this is awkward, we don't really know this person, she's writing down everything we say, ostensibly so you can use it against us later, Chris. And it's like, then it's kind of like, uncomfortable, because they're like, at least putting on the idea of being weirded out by this. Yes. uh, And being mad at Chris for doing this. The fucking scribe should have, like, they should have given her more awkward things to do to make her presence uncomfortable like the next meeting there should have been like a noisy tape recorder or something it's like put down you can hear like the whirring of the tape chris should have asked monby to read back something chris had said yeah that also never happens or if it did it it got cut right and it's like that obvious beat that they missed um like just think of all the things you can do with like someone is there like they could have had it at one point be like chris is like well i also want to make sure that she's doing a good job so it's like her computer's hooked up to a projector so that like everything they're saying is being typed out on the word like on the wall or something like doubling down on the surveillance state make it impossible for the people around chris to ignore the presence of the scribe because Honestly, she's just otherwise another person at the table, except when she's moving in the chair. And it should have just been, like, it should have been 
all-encompassing and invasive. Yeah. And that would have been hilarious. Yeah, they should have gone full NSA. Yeah. And then that would have given, uh, like, imagine if then the thing that Chloe did was, like, had started, like, putting legitimate spy equipment in the house <gasps> to, like, yes. spy on Chris and be like, well, you wanted everything documented. And I was just like, that why should we better. stop with the yes. documenting mm-hmm. just because I'm not there? Yes. And it's just, like, <laughs> spy cam in Chris's room or something. Like, uh, or hire a PI. And then it's just like, well, you had a scribe, so I had a PI following you around and, like, do everything. <laughs> Which would, of course, be obviously fake because any private investigator yeah, trying to check out the Kardashians would get murdered on sight. Um, but, uh, you know, it just it's lacking in any of that imagination past the squeaky chair. So, that's my that's what I have to say about the scribe. Uh, Madhavi really puts it in for what she's given, but it uh, could have been given a much bigger role. I do like that they put her in the talking heads scene. That was the that was like the one maybe heightening bit where it's yes. just like the, the, the pull the pull out past the cameras to to reveal that she is still sitting there. It was like yeah okay, but that's obvious. No yeah, yeah. of course. Um, I think that about covers the scribe. I mean, I think you really hit it on the on the head. We wanted I guess, more. I guess what I'll say is like, and then Chris's antics really disappointed me because when. Chloe starts to say like bonkers shit and have the scribe write it down to upset Chris. Like Chris's response to that is just like, "Oh, I'll get like my assistant or like these producers to buy a box full of like bowel medicine and shit and like yeast infection treatment and be like, oh, Chloe's got all these fucked up things with her body, which is also just like one yeah, like waste." Waste of money. Waste of money, too. It's just, like, shaming people who have anything going on with their body, kind of. Um, And it's just a really boring, obvious bit. Like, it could have literally... The the bit is the same as just being, like, oh, here's that Pepto-Bismol you asked for because of your, like, like rancid diarrhea shits, Chloe. And that would have been, like, funny enough. But then it's a whole fucking crate. And it's like, Chris, we get it. Yeah. Chris, this isn't as funny. Chris, Chris gave her assistant vague directions, mm-hmm. and he just loaded up on everything at CBS. And Chris was like, cool, the more there is, the more funny it is, right? And it's like, no, it's the same joke ten times instead exactly. of one joke yeah. being improved upon. Yeah. yeah. Um, take it from me, an asshole who did college improv. <laughs> I know how to make TV funny. <laughs> no. Um, but I'm very high risk. Um <laughs> Within the A-plot, though, we do have a couple of notable instances. We have a Kylie mention. Chloe says that Kylie is the new Rob. Um, I did forget to mention, in the PR tour, Kim went on Jane the Corden show and did Fill Your Guts or Spill Your Guts, which is always really boring because everyone from the family who appears on that show just eats a bunch of gross shit. Yeah. Um, every time. She did rank, like, who she thinks dresses best uh-huh. and something else. But the one question that was really notable that she drank a sardine smoothie on was, are Chloe and Kylie pregnant? Yeah. Which is confirmation that Chloe and Kylie are pregnant, which we didn't need because we know. Right. Um, but this just further proves Kylie isn't hiding till she has her baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking, fuck James Corden. That's all I have to say about that. No, yeah. He sucks. Late night is bad. Yeah, pretty universally, yeah. I'm trying to think, is there an exception? No, there isn't. Jesus and Miro. You're right. Four times a week on Viceland. Yeah. Check them out. 
We also get a Corey Gamble sighting. Once again, all of his lines have been cut because that man cannot deliver dialogue. But yeah. he's enwrapped by yeah. Chris's prank. Yeah. And I guess the, the thing that's not related to any of this at the, at the top of the episode is Kim and the food gods visit to the ice cream museum. Which, can we just... Can we... For a second before I start to rag on the food god and how a man who looks like that should never be allowed near a pool filled with edible goods. Uh, or I guess I'm already there. Um, the fucking ice cream museum. And the places like it. Like the Instagrammable destinations. You missed in the Beauty Queen episode when Kim said while setting up for her KKW beauty launch in her own home that every room has to be an Instagrammable moment. But yes, same idea going on here. It's the same idea, and I I don't want to be too much of an old man about things. We we had you had mentioned um, something about I think it was like a Disney animation thing that was being set up in yes. in New York City recently, yeah. and I was like, is this actually like an exhibit or is it like a grammable location? Yeah, it was not Disney. It was something else. It was Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera. So it was okay. actually potentially cool. Potentially cool. But it still seemed like when I looked at the website, like it was like not gonna be like, hey, we're gonna have some like awesome cells from like Johnny Quest or something, yeah. or like check it out. Here's like a actual you know thing used, uh, like here's an animator's table that was from the studio where they made the Jetsons or something. Like it was yeah. gonna be like, or like lost episode. Hey, here's like... here's a statue of like, I don't know. Mm. The wacky racers or whatever. Jetsons, <laughs> Flintstones, um, Daddy yeah. Bear, uh, Roadrunner. And I mean, and this extends not just place like experienced places, but also like food places where the food is like okay, yes. but it's like pretty. Fucking, yes. Um, which there are too many of in New York. I fucking hate them. I don't care if it makes me sound like an old man or like someone who hates fun or like out of touch. I fucking. I just naturally don't use the photo platforms that much because I'm, I, I'm very low confidence in the way I look. Um, I also don't really have an eye for taking photos, period. And I feel like the existence of these places where they just like have the perfect photo setup is like it's pandering to people who just need the constant stream of good photos. And not to people like me who want to learn how to take better photos. Like, what I need is the grammable location where someone, like, sits me down, teaches me what my good angle is, teaches me how to get the right lighting, teaches me how to, like, do a smile that doesn't look fucking manic, and then that. But I don't want it to be, like, me standing in front of, like, an all-pink wall that's just, like, really pink, which is a real thing. Yes. Because fuck that. And, okay, back to fucking Food God. Never let that man cover himself in anything that's then going to rejoin a pool of... <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like, there are children that probably put that in their mouths. One, well, one, yeah, it's already dirty. But then you're putting this dirty, gross-looking man in there who's like, I love food. And it's just like, you shut the door, you get everybody else out of that room. Is he going to be so on brand that he just, like, time to, like, commune with this pool of sprinkles and, like, strip down? Like, I don't want that possibility... <laughs> To exist, period. Can we talk about how awkward he is around children? Oh, yeah, he's... <laughs> <laughs> not the, interact with the, North. The nuts thing is, like, honestly, like, uh, Chloe, Kim, Courtney, they all seem to be pretty good with the kids. Or at least, like, they only select the kid, the clips where they're like... In fact, 
this is a bad episode for Kim doing something important and then immediately going back to staring at her phone. But it doesn't seem to do that around the kids. Yeah. Like, gives the kids attention. Um, but Jonathan, like, he seems like he's never seen a child. <laughs> and doesn't know, isn't, like, dumbstruck with what they're doing, but just, like, is flailing in the presence of one. No, totally. I remember there was a series of paparazzi photos, probably from when North was about, like, two years old. No, maybe she was three years old. And I think maybe Kim was carrying Saint, and Jonathan somehow was carrying North, and I was like, Kim, why are you letting him do that? (laughs) (laughs) He probably thinks it's okay to, like, pick up a baby by, like, their feet and, like, dangle them upside down. I've never held a baby, It's like, this is gonna be fun, right? And it's like, you're gonna drop the baby on the soft spot, and, like... I mean, I'm also, like, not good with kids. I have, like, very little interest in interacting with children. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I can put some effort in, but I... I've got five minutes of things to say, and I don't have anything after that. But Jonathan hangs out with Kim and family all the time. He's had more than four years to work up these skills, and he still is no better than the day North was born. My gut tells me that, like, little kids are easier because they don't have that much to say. And if they do, like, all you gotta do is humor them, right? I was at a restaurant yesterday where there was a seventh grader seated behind me. (gasps) And the seventh grader, I think, was either talking to, like, his, his either parent or, like, older relative, like, maybe aunt or something. Uh... And all this fucking kid was talking about were memes. Memes posted on his 7th grade, like, Facebook and, like, Snapchat chains and shit. And just being secondhand that conversation and imagining the, like, the patience I would have to muster if I was on the receiving end of that conversation was maddening. Here's the thing. Jonathan Chabon would love to talk to that 7th grader. <laughs> would love to talk memes with the 7th grader and think, like, oh, man kids are so fucking amazing but a kid doing something cute like hey i drew you this crayon thing he'd be like oh uh, uh." like yes do i do i instagram this is like no like he would make a joke about how bad their like fine motor skills are he would insult them (laughs) make them cry then be like oh well uh, kids love fun so he would like run into the other room where they've gone off to cry then pick them up and start like flinging them around being like right like you want to be really active right Jonathan Siobhan could murder a child and I would not be shocked. He is just constantly out of his depth. Like, Kim talks to him about his beauty line. He hangs out with North. Like, he has nothing to contribute in any of those situations. We're past the food episodes for this season. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's my piece. Now to talk about some very serious activism. I mean, as long as Food God is a supporting character, we're going to keep having to hash this out, but... We've got any Jonathan fans out there? Let us know. Yeah, don't at me. <laughs> um, but this this brings us to our B plot: Kim Kardashian West exploring homelessness in Los Angeles. So, you have not seen the Planned Parenthood episode, but Kayla Chapin and I hashed it out a few weeks ago because, on the one hand, you can see good intentions using a platform, using this specific airtime to bring attention to. A social issue but it's the execution and the moralizing of the issue that is wanting yeah 
Uh, this all starts with they're like at a photo shoot or something, and then they're driving through LA and they go like, let's go down, which is clearly like artificially done because they've decided this is going to be what the episode is yes. prior to this. Like, let's drive down Skid Row. And they are like, one, this is one of those things where the editing of the show and the rhythm and pacing of the show really works against its message because they never do, they never, they never change it up for a serious moment. It'll be them showing you footage of tent after tent after tent, and it'll still be the same shitty, like, cheap techno music playing in the background that will then immediately cut to the next scene as Mm -hmm. though they aren't completely dissonant. And it's like, no, they absolutely are. And you need to, like, one thing you really need to do if you're going to address this issue is give it space aesthetically, because if you're just going to show the the tents like they're they're not doing anything smart with being like they're not trying to they're not filming the tents like they film the outside of one of the like or like the outside of the calabasas house oh that would be really cool they, they never they never like make you sit in that dissonance they it's always like here's a camera guy who's like gonna point at this and be like that's fucked up but in the editing room they must have like something on the wall that's like never for a second deviate from like this is how long a shot can be held for. This is the kind of music we use. It's the same eight licensed tracks. Yep. It sucks. Uh, and they say that Robert, is that their dad? Yeah, yeah, Robert Sr. Robert would drive them down the street to show them like that they should be appreciative, which is basically the same act as this episode is doing. This idea of... Here is through the, like, the hyper-rich lens out the window of a fucking Escalade. Understand that homelessness exists and maybe three basic facts about what it is and why it happens. And that the people are also people. And and you're good. And you're golden. You've understood that. And it was like, this is pitched to us as, like, this lesson that they were taught as children and the problem has gotten worse so they're going to use their platform to illuminate the same basic ass shit that probably robert was as they were like honestly it's easier and quicker for us to drive along the street but i gotta tell my kids something about why there's people uh living like this on the streets i gotta tell them something and also maybe acknowledge that no we're super rich so this will never happen to us like it's it's rough and Kim makes some steps I think some personally important steps and some steps to actually talk to people and give some space to both elected officials who are more up on the issue and to people actually living in these situations but it only kind of sort of works and again I think the editing is working against it at every step of the way sorry that was that was a long rant no 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 (laughs) that's totally fair I fully agree with everything you said i think that whenever um they kind of lean on the ghost of robert kardashian senior for the this the insight into social issues it doesn't turn out well because he was a republican who lived in beverly hills like Mm -hmm. he he doesn't have that much insight like i just think of him (laughs) talking about how her father like tried to talk to her about the racism that people in interracial relationships face Mm -hmm. because he was like I can see you're already fetishizing men of color. Let's talk about this. <laughs> um, but you can see there's some good... In- like, it's the same execution as Planned Parenthood, where I think 
you can see that Kim is pretending to be a little dumber than she is. Sure. And then kind of being a audience proxy to learn about things and give space to um, the people who work at Union Rescue, the mm-hmm. people who worked at Alexandria House, Mary Martinez, who's a councilwoman in Los Angeles, all like very legitimate people. Mm-hmm. But even in that context, the stories that we get about homelessness, like the stories we got about Planned Parenthood, are moralized. They are the gist is supposed to be, oh, not every person who's homeless is a drug addict. It doesn't it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what is going on in someone's life when they're homeless. No one deserves to be homeless. Period. Yeah. And like Nora Martinez says that and like no one should have to live this way in this country, et cetera, et cetera. And they stop short of like talking about where for everybody involved, everybody who is on the streets of LA, like the structural systems that have led them all there, regardless of whether or not they were single mothers or whether or not they were working jobs or uh, experienced domestic abuse or something, you know, uh, or whether they've even like, they, they make a statement about one guy who they see in an interview about how he refused help last time. Um, Which they... That's so interesting because it's kind of a blip in the message that they're selling, but they don't dig into it. They don't dig into, one, like, why, and when they don't do that, it's left there as basically saying, like, well, the problem also exists because some people want it this way or something. Like, it's placing the blame back on the person who they're sensibly there to help. Or at least it is when it's framed the way it is in this show. Um, I will say, like, I maybe sounded pretty negative in my, like, rant earlier, but... It's nice when they give the women of Alexandria House, like, there the editing, like, calms down a bit. And, yeah. like, they let uh, they let that woman deliver the entire poem that she wrote, the, the, the slam poet. Uh, they actually listen to some real stories, and there is some slight variety there. And that's good, but then it's undercut by Kim. Also, this is my first, like, glaring notice of, like, a continuity thing. Kim with uh, bleached silver hair. So that's filmed at a definitely different time. Yeah, but that is that is Talking Heads. Yeah, that is how Talking Heads work. But like, uh, then they had time to it, it resonated with me because yeah. it's like you have time to rehearse this message. And Kim's message yes. that she delivers months later when they were doing the Talking Heads is still like when they scripted the show out. It's yes, still totally fair. Not all homeless people are drug addicts. Basically, like not all of them are violent. And it's just like, yeah, I think if we're giving Kim the credit of, like, she's smarter than that, she knows that, she's more up on this than she's letting on in the show, then they're talking down to the audience too much. Because I don't honestly believe that anybody watching this show would go, like, oh, I have learned something about the homelessness problem in L.A. and in America from this. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think we can all assume that Kim is at the level where she knows that the lesson that the episode is telling needs to be told, which puts her only slightly above where she's putting the viewer basically so i don't think that kim is hit to the redistribution of wealth but i think that (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) but i think that she know or has this idea that homelessness is mischaracterized and we Mm -hmm. potentially we do live in one of those like liberal elite bubbles Mm -hmm. so i think it's possible that maybe their fan base is less up on these issues than we are maybe we're speaking out of turn but at the same time it feels very um 
social justice. I don't even want to say 101. Like, I don't know what would come before that. This is a very neoliberal message. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the idea that, like, if... It's a neoliberal idea of, like, the markets work, right? So then why do you see this bad thing? And then always come back to, like, it's a personal failing on that person. Whether or well, not that's there's... not quite what they were... Because they were talking... What they did was the thing that I think we saw with the Bernie Sanders campaign that was criticized by mm-hmm. TSA members, which is that, like, housing rise, housing prices are rising too quickly and salaries are not rising kind mm-hmm. of in tandem. Therefore, people who are working full-time jobs can't afford to mm-hmm. have a home or live comfortably or living below the poverty line. And the message becomes... No one working 40 hours a week should live under the poverty line yeah. when the, the real issue is no one should live under the poverty line. Period. Yeah. No, like, that. that's an important distinction. I'm saying that what this message of the episode is moving one step past the neoliberal interpretation, which is yes. it's a personal failing on the part of anyone who finds themselves in this situation. It is the, if you're working 40 hours a week and you're still not cutting it, you're not doing it right, right? Or rather than... Rather than you're not, like, the system is not allowing you to get ahead and yes, you shouldn't yes. be put in this situation no matter Wait. what. I'm saying Kim's saying by saying okay. not all people who are in this situation are, you know, are of some negative okay, uh, yes. stereotype, right? Then there is something wrong. She's basically okay, just yes. saying, like, there are people here who don't deserve to be here. Yes. And the uh, chosen congressperson they, or, or councilwoman they have says no one deserves to be here but it always gets filtered back through like there are people struggling on the streets but it's not all people are struggling on the streets and all of them should be off of the streets yes. it doesn't yeah. it doesn't go that far to just say like radically this shouldn't be a problem period um yes. and to do so they would have to address like well then what is the what is the justice what is the the right approach to take with someone who has fallen into the cycle of addiction and then been forced onto the streets what is the cycle of justice taken for people who have been abused and and this was their escape from a negative situation even though it's uh not a a step up you know like there's there's all these things that the show obviously can't address in this Mm -hmm. runtime yeah but it also doesn't seem like it's trying to yes totally agree that's it um yeah, it's. I'm sure that there are people who watched that episode and benefited from that message that was on their level in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think that it could have gone farther, as we were saying. Um, it was, I think, cool that they did shout out Union Rescue and mm-hmm. Alexandria House and specifically gave information for how to like reach those organizations and help them. Um, Kim does get out of the car in this quote-unquote dangerous area of the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, and I, and I find it both interesting that they didn't, but also maybe good that they didn't call to attention, like, the parallels between, you know, Kim's concerns about her personal safety after Paris and the step that Kim, Kim took in, like, and obviously this was with a crew of folks yeah, there. Yeah, well, and, and like, I think but... they also had police officers there, which I think was probably very scary for the people who were still in the encampment. Exactly. Still also not great because the next time they see police, it's probably going to be to sweep that encampment or something. Um, but again, like, Kim making the effort is not 
unappreciated. You know, uh, this this is a story that could have been, one, could have been told much better and Kim never would have set foot on an encampment. They could have done a better job handling this without her having to do that. But the yeah. fact that she did do that, maybe it's because they thought it would make good TV, but it still says a lot that she did, I guess. Yeah, I was also surprised by that move because the councilwoman was saying... Even the councilwoman was saying, like, yeah, and maybe she was assuming too much on Kim's behalf, but I don't know, you know? Um, It's at least, it's at least a step, like, I don't, the way they framed it, I don't think Robert Kardashian would have gotten out of the car, you know? No, I think Um, he would have rolled down the window of his Bentley at the, at most. Yes, and said, like, bootstraps. (laughs) Um, So, this reminds me, you can cut this if you hate this, but... This reminds me of the thing that happened a couple of weeks back on Twitter with Lauren Duca, the Teen Vogue writer, when uh, in the in the wake of uh, uh, an attack in New York City, she said, you know, we don't do that Islamophobia oh. thing in New York City. Yes. And a lot of people were like rushing to remind her that, yes, in fact, uh, New Yorkers did mm-hmm. uh, relish doing that whole Islamophobia thing in the wake of 9-11. And it was very hard. Uh, for Muslims and for Sikhs who are misidentified as Muslims mm-hmm. and basically anyone with brown skin in New York, uh, particularly along that vector of uh, Islamophobia yeah. in the weeks, months, years after 9-11 and continues to be a problem, especially as relates to the police. And then Lauren Duca's reply to that was, uh, I'm thankful to everybody who follows me here on this platform who is nice to me as I learn. I'm only 29 years old. <laughs> And it's just like, it's it's kind of like the say it's 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 like the last episode, the one I didn't see where it comes like you gotta own up to it. But like, owning up to I make mistakes is not the same as saying like here is what I have learned, and then actually articulating the thing you did wrong exactly, and the yes. kind of way it was wrong and the steps you might take to move forward from it it's just saying like i know i did a bad and that can that can be a learned response from just having people yell at you rather than actual personal growth um so it kind of feels similar where it's just like kim has this episode where it's like i know the homeless problem is bad i know i'm in a situation where i can do something to help it but the episode comes across as more like i'm learning about what this problem is rather than just being like an episode it was maybe like I was properly educated on what this was. And yes. here are the steps that I've determined I can yes. make and let's open a dialogue. Instead, yes. it's Kim telling you what it is, what she thinks about it, how she feels about it, and that's it. Yes. I do think, actually I've been thinking about this a little bit, that it's a growth from the Everytown episode they did about a year ago. Because mm. the Kardashian family's actually been involved with Everytown, which is an anti-gun violence organization yeah. for a while, which, you know, very respectable. But when they did spotlight every town, it was also wrapped up in this little plot about Kendall being afraid to speak out against gun violence because she was afraid of backlash. And then there was this awful scene, we talked about it on the show, with Kayla Chapin, um, where Kendall, like, arrived late to meet with the families from every town. Like, the families of children who were murdered in Newtown. What the fuck? But, I mean, we're... we're our, yeah. the, the hope uh-huh. from the K-hole um, is that that was staged in mm-hmm. order to drive up some kind of suspense or create dramatic effect. But it still was... It felt superficial yeah. and it felt false to try to wrap up 
such a an important and all-encompassing social <sighs> issue in a plot that related to Kendall's celebrity. Yeah. So um, I think I think this is growth from how we saw them handle that sure. issue a year ago. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what else, they're like. I don't want to be the person sitting here being like, I gotta have my celebrities be, you know, uh, avoid this like false moralizing shit and put their money where their mouth is at every single step and like be good on all the issues because that is a unrealistic double standard and. Um, I'm not so politically, um, uh, not puritanical, but like entertainment can be its thing and not everyone has to be perfect, especially if we're just talking about like the activism they do in their lives. Cause like fuck knows I could be doing a lot more in that yeah, regard can. and everyone can. Um, but when you make the point of your episode that the stakes and, and the judgment yes. criteria are a little higher than, um, so that that that's all you know. It's yeah. I, I'm sure that this episode probably brought in some donations to uh, Union Rescue in Alexandria House, and hey, that is that is much appreciated. So it's it's not all bad. But like next time, if they ever address homelessness again, it's got to be better than like oh, not everybody out on the streets is yes. you know parentheses read between the lines quote a bad person you know um it's people the next time it should be we need to get people off the streets and into housing because they will in any of their situations whatever it is only be able to start getting better once they have stability and and they have like the human right to shelter granted them exactly have you read about what utah did for its homeless population i have not utah i don't know if this is still true because i read this a few years ago but i hope it is the case where they basically did the math and they realized that per capita the amount spent on a homeless person just on average in terms of the support they needed from Mm -hmm. the government while living on the streets was less than a year's worth of just fully compensated rent in utah housing utah Mm -hmm. housing is not super expensive because it's fucking utah but they actually just started putting homeless people in apartments yeah and it was actually not surprising to you and me but Mm -hmm. it was really really good for um their population they saw homelessness obviously decline Mm -hmm. they did anecdotal interviews with people who received one bedroom apartments and stuff like that who were able to talk about how it helped them get off the streets you know Mm -hmm. improve their lives in a way that other social services just couldn't yeah, I mean, the next episode, Kim should sit down with Jeremy Corbyn and just be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take these empty houses and we're going to put people who okay, need housing exactly. into them. Exactly, like the um, magical like, rental house <laughs> Chloe was looking for in like, Brentwood or whatever. Like, Yeah. Empty vacant housing is like a huge problem, as we've discussed. And I think that it was interesting that what Kim provided at Alexandria House was... I think she provided other things, but the things that she drew attention to, I feel a little bit torn on. Um, she drew drew attention to providing, um, like, uh, consultations and financial mm-hmm. management for the women of Alexandria House and resume building. Yeah. And I think that's very, very bootstrappy. Yep. But at the same time, I do think that those are 
valuable skills that I don't think a lot of people actually have assets access to. A lot of people don't have access to them, period, or like yeah. don't know where to start. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is that that is, that is for the that is for the institution that is there to to help people who uh, are on the streets, like. Them having a multi-pronged approach, knowing that is good information for me mm-hmm. because that is that suggests that they have a systems approach to how this works. They don't think it's just a matter, you know, it even as bootstrappy as those individual things sound when they're singled out, they can help. They are part yes. of a solution uh, or a multi-pronged approach. And it's just like, it's kind of weird that you're just like, those are the ones that sound good to me as opposed to just like, also, they need a place to stay. They need yes. like, like emotional counseling. They need, they need, you know ideally uh you know therapists on site uh to talk about these things like there's many areas in which you know you can provide help uh many different vectors by which this help will then help someone improve their situation um and the government could do a lot to improve that situation for them just by being like here is this thing that we are offering you um yeah yeah exactly because i think the end (sighs) Again, like, those are two, like, very valuable skills that not a lot of people have access to, but at the same time, the some kind of implication of offering those services to homeless women is get a job and be productive, and that's yeah. your way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't have to be like that. It shouldn't have to be like that. Does that also come with, like, do, do those services come with, like, what to do if in the interview process, once your resume has gotten your foot in the door, someone seems like they're going to reconsider offering the job because they learned that you're homeless like does that you know i'm sure that happens all the time also like what kind of i this is a genuine question like what kind of financial management consult consultations are they offering like are they really under the impression that these homeless women have assets that they've mismanaged or are these skills more tailored to their life circumstances yeah i don't know who knows it's it's a cool service i i think we're both in agreement Mm -hmm. about that but gotta hope that that's not the only thing the only way she's contributing to alleviating this problem yeah well anyway it's a complicated problem and uh if if this conversation has made you feel a particular way about it look into the resources in the local uh you know groups and institutions near you that are doing good things do do some research figure out which ones are doing things that you think are best aimed towards helping your particular area and then donate money to them it's yeah. a very good way to 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 do this and um it might arguably do more good than if you had your own tv show and just talked about it for a while totally fair yeah all right but that takes us out of beauty queen and close to home and into power rankings so we are still doing this new feature called the bench mm-hmm. we're going to talk about a couple of people who were benched for power rankings in this episode do you want to tell us who you put on the bench uh, I put Kendall on the bench because having a really good belly button um, and having that called out in a scene is not enough to warrant a power ranking, I guess. <laughs> it's just a really... Was it, was it Chloe saying, like, I would get Botox in my stomach <laughs> to get a belly button that <laughs> vertical or whatever. And I'm just like, I've never cared about a belly button as much as they were putting out there in that scene. Oh, that's totally a thing when it comes to women's bodies, I feel. I, I under I understand it is, but I also, that like, maybe I'm just still, it's going to be a couple years before I'm willing to give Kendall the time of day after yeah, the whole Pepsi thing, so. Yeah. 
This she one's also, yours. Uh, oh. I was going to say about Kendall, she also, um, like, shrieks at the idea of Chloe putting sriracha in her food. <laughs> She's like, any kind of spice is just, I can't stand it. Like, girl, you're not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. By leaning really hard into that stereotype. Yep. I say coming from a family of people who won't eat garlic. Mm. But I also... Garlic. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um... I benched Malika uh, because of her appearance in Beauty Queen when she was credited as family friend and not Chloe's best friend. That is a downgrade. It is. She needs to... I love how something as innocuous as that and a Chiron is a downgrade in this show's universe. It's so fucking petty, but I, like, I love that. I mean, she's been Chloe's best friend for years, and now to be family friend, I... She's also dating a guy that she had only met five times IRL as of Beauty Queens. I don't think that's the same person she's dating now. Mm. Malika, I want good things for her, but she makes it hard. <laughs> okay, so on to the actual power rankings. Uh, at the bottom, number five this week is... Six. You no, know, because that's you've got it doubled up there, look. <gasps> I do, don't Yeah, me. number five this week... Uh, wait, no, you had said... Oh, we had... okay, okay, okay. That's why that was doubled up. <laughs> okay. Right. I'll, I'll start this up. Yeah. Okay, right. thank you. So, moving on to the power rankings this week. Here at the bottom, number five is Courtney. Because Courtney, I feel like, at least in the episode I saw, did not do that much. Was just kind of chilling. Uh, which is fine, but also it wasn't entertaining chilling either. <laughs> the, uh... The move that gets her off of the bench is refusing to talk to Scott about why she banned him from Chloe's birthday party. But that doesn't uh, that Fair. doesn't move her up power rankings by any means. She is a blip this week, and uh, we want more from her because Courtney had a hot streak for a while with setting boundaries, living her life, and this episode really puts her kind of in a defensive, reactive zone. Hmm. Um, number four is Chris, because like I said earlier, I was, uh, I was not impressed with Chris's antics in, uh, in the second episode, and I just think, um, you know, if, if Costco cart Chris is, like, the gold standard, then Chris, just with a box full of, like, Imodium AD is, like, the scraping the bottom of the barrel, like, um... Also, like, faking being offended at, like, Chloe roasting her, like... Because you know Chris has been the spokesperson for, like, incontinence pads, right? Wait, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that adds a whole nother layer <laughs> to this. Let me make sure I'm oh. not imagining <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's true. Because if that's the case, it would be really funny if what that box was was just like a bunch of things sent to chris for promotional consideration <laughs> that they didn't have to go out and buy but if it was just like brands being like chris would you consider being our spokesperson for this thing that helps keep you regular because taking over for jamie just, chris <laughs> yeah it's just like chris walks out with a fucking like industrial palette full of activia and is like i got this for you chloe because you know your poops haven't been on time um, that would have been way better, but, uh, I don't think it's that. 
And so... Let me see if that's actually true. I was actively annoyed, like, when Chris started leaning into the antics side of that Mm -hmm. episode, I took out my phone and I started playing Animal Crossing. So, (laughs) you know, that wouldn't have happened in a previous Chris antics episode. Yes. Um, Let me... Double check this. I'm I'm double checking. Um, sorry, that was not the thing I had to need to click on. Yep, it was uh, it was poise. That was the one. There you go. All right, it was poise. So, I don't think we saw that in the little basket that she had for Chloe, but no. that is Chris's history. Uh, number three is Madhavi Patel, the scribe, who, uh, just really puts in the work of actual scribe work and has to hang out with this family and be around as they're doing all this fake drama and scoots in that chair real well. I think, I think, uh, that's worthy of recognition in the power rankings. She's a good sport. Yeah. And obviously more in tune with the good part of the bit than... Chris is herself so there you have it um number two this week is Kim because despite everything I might have said as a criticism of Kim's uh, activism I mean are, are we allowed to count you know also paying for uh paying for Sean the lawyer is in the power rankings this week or is that like no, muddling the whole field show well, only. show only well I still think Kim deserves second place because I don't know I mean Kim's Kim's out there. Kim's trying both in in the personal sphere to do these things that she might be uncomfortable doing and to at least, even if it's awkwardly edited time with a weird message pinned to it, give time to an issue that she deems important and that is important and that needs attention uh, and benefits uh, from attention on a platform this large. I think that's, I think that's a-okay. Um... Oh, so I fully, I fully agree. Um, but I want you to kind of steer this one because you okay. were pretty adamant about this person being number one. Yeah. Well, if you're keeping track at home of <laughs> which Kardashians actually appeared and, and who's left, uh, number one is Chloe, because uh, this isn't because Chloe's antics are necessarily great this week, but Chloe just seems like she's not fucking playing along with this whole antics thing. Like, the, the entire scribe thing, it's literally Chloe is upset because they were going to do a barbecue or something, and then Chris <laughs> forgot. Then they're just like, all right, this will be the launching off point for a Chris bit. Chloe is like, this bit sucks, so I'm going to raz you. And they're like, well, okay, so that's the next beat. So then Chris will raz you back. And Chloe's just like, you're not even doing that right. She, like, isn't even sitting there at the table, like, amused by this. She's just like... We get it. We get it. And that is the most powerful fucking thing I've seen Chloe do in terms of, like, a real, like, come on, knock it off. This is dumb uh, move in the, like, five or six episodes of the show I've seen. So Fully agree. Chloe's done a 180 from, I think, where she was last year in terms of starting petty fights. She's back in prime form doing some pranks. She's keeping Gabbana alive, which, Yes, also important, yeah. Uh, no one else is keeping any animals alive as far as I've seen, although we are going to be seeing Sushi and Honey in the next episode. Um, I think we saw them online recently, so they are alive and well IRL. I'm going to ding Chloe preemptively a little bit of like, hey, 
keep up what you're doing because uh, I saw the preview for the next episode, which is apparently is their like guns episode. Yeah, because they <laughs> did this a little while ago when Caitlin bought a gun and then Chris put that gun in cement. So, okay. I mean, this whole fucking family is involved in every town, so I don't think that they're going to end up having a gun for personal protection, but I'm surprised that we have to retread this plot line. I think Chloe said some whack shit about, like, guns in the preview, and they show her at a firing range, and I'm just like, I just, whatever direction they take that episode, I'm utterly uninterested in it, so. Totally fair. Um... Well, tune in next week for my critique of gun control <laughs> and guns for personal use. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ashley Brandt. You can also follow The K-Hole on Twitter at The K-Hole Podcast. You can follow The K-Hole on Facebook if you are a mom at uh, The K-Hole on, on Facebook as well. If you are listening to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, you could leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to subscribe. We are trying to come at you with as many timely updates as possible. I am still figuring out fantasy power rankings. I'm sorry. I've been busy, but I am thinking of you guys, and <laughs> I promise to you, I, I swear. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on the show again, Ashley. Um, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy this episode as much as I was hoping. Uh, but, you know, just thankful to be here. Seasonally feeling the, feeling the posse vibes. Even though I don't even have my crystal on me today. You've uh, been a good sport. Yeah. Uh, people want to follow me on Twitter. It's at Matthew Olson. You got to figure out how to spell that right. That's all I'll say. That's the only plug I have. Sometimes I tweet funny things, but none of them are about the Kardashians, so... That's it. That's it for me. Uh, am I supposed to say the thing now? Yeah, usually I'll end up saying something else first, but you got I've, already, I've already covered all of our bases. Word. This has been the K-Hole. Don't be fucking rude.